a brand new series today, and the title of our series is called Ducks in a Row. And I don't know about you, but I am very, very easily distracted. Uh, it does not take much to distract me. Yep. Okay. I will take your toys away from you. All right. Uh, but on Mondays I will work from home and man, like I, I have to work from home because that's just the place where I can control all of the elements, you know, like nobody's coming up to the church or nobody's, you know, doing anything and I'm not surprised by anything. And so I'll usually sit down and I'll open my laptop up and I'll get going. And then all of a sudden I'll remember that I forgot my coffee, you know? And so then I'll, I'll go and I'll get my coffee. And then as I'm up getting my coffee, I'll get a text message and I'll be like, Oh, okay. Well, I need to look at my calendar and I'll look at my calendar and then I'll get a notification that, you know, Karen posted something on Instagram and then I'll go look and I'll, I'll pray for dear Karen. And then, you know, I'll go to something else. And then by that time it's lunch. I mean, and I'm like, okay, well, where did the last four hours go? You know, I mean, that's a, that's a tough one, but I, that happens. I mean, we can all very, very easily get distracted. And here's the thing. I want you to, 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 think, to think about this. The things I get distracted by are never as important as the thing I get distracted from. Amen. I mean, that's the thing, is that there's all these things clawing at my attention and calling my name and giving me notifications and telling me, look at this. Oh, you need this. You need this. Oh, oh, you need to go here. Oh, don't miss out on this. Oh, here's another invite to go somewhere with somebody else. And the thing that I've realized is that I get so distracted, but these things that I get distracted from are never as important as the thing I get distracted from. The thing that I really want to get done, the thing I really want to achieve, the thing that I, I really want to do, the thing I most want to complete. And I think we've all felt that a little bit. I think especially in the culture that we live in today, it's full of distractions. I, I think that all of us have had a hard time these last couple of years with the pandemic and everything going on and just the new normal and stuff. It, it seems like we're all a bit distracted. So how, what do we do? How do we combat that? Because a lot of us are saying, man, like there's things I wanted to achieve this year. There's things I wanted to get done. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys know this or not. In just a few weeks, it's not far from 2023. I mean, that's crazy to think about. It's about we're about to be in a whole nother year. And some of you are going, I don't even know where this year went. I mean, this is crazy. I had all these things I was going to get done and achieve. And in 2022, I was going to paint that room. I was going to do that thing. I was going to start that project. I was going to do this in my career. I was going to lose that 20 pounds. I mean, all of these different things. Where did the time go? What happened? What happened is you got distracted. You got distracted. So how do we, how do we reorganize things? How do we get to the place where we can get done what we need to get done? Achieve what we want to achieve? Hold what's important? Well, the thing we got to do is this. We got to get our ducks in a row. We've got to get our ducks in a row. And you know what that means, right? You've all heard that phrase before, get your ducks in a row. What it means is this, is that to get your ducks in a row means to get your priorities straight, to organize things in their order. I mean, a lot of us, we, if we had all these, these ducks, you know, it would just be like piled into a big bowl and we'd be like, so what's important to you, right? Actually, let me ask you that question. What is important to you? What's most important to you? What's most important to you? 
And here's the thing. You would probably say a couple things that honestly would be a little cliche. I mean, really. But the thing is that if you were honest or if you thought about it long enough, is if you answered the question, what's most important to you, you would say everything. Seriously, look at your schedule. You're like, "Mm, no, 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 no. That's not what's most important to me. Family's most important to me. Really? Let's look at your schedule. How many family things do you cut out so that you can do these other things? Let's look at where you were this week. Let's look at how you spent your money. Let's look at all of the invitations that you accepted. The truth is, is a lot of us try to take it all and cram it in. A lot of us, we're like Mr. Incredible. I got time. I got time. I still got time. I got time. Hey, could you do this project at work? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got time. Hey, could you, could you coach this basketball team? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got time. Hey, could you help out with this, with the homeowners association? Yeah, 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 I got time. Hey, could you help us with this uh, thing that we're doing at church? Uh, yeah, 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 I got time, I got time. And we keep saying yes to everything. We try to make room for everything. We try to make room for all of the sports. We try to make room for all of the activities, all of the hobbies, all of the trips, all of the nights out, all of the career opportunities, all of the trainings, all of the conferences, all the things that we're able to do to elevate ourselves a little bit further, get ourselves a little bit further along. The invitation to go do this, the invitation to go out. The truth is, is we try to cram in Everything, everything is important to us. And in our minds, what, what we've come to believe, what the culture has kind of taught us is like, let's just, that's just living a balanced life. I just, I want, I don't, I don't, I don't want FOMO, right? I, I have the fear of missing out. And so I can't say no to anything. And I'm just, I'm just trying to balance it all out. I've got these friends, I've got that friend, I've got church, I've got hobbies, I've got trips, I've got work, I've got this side hustle that I'm doing. I mean, I just got a little bit of everything. And the truth is, is we're trying to make everything, get everything done, keep everything balanced. But here's the thing. The thing we have to understand is that when everything is important, nothing is important. When everything is important, nothing is important. When sports is important, when family is important, when your health is important, when your financials are important, when that trip is important, when that hunting trip is important, when that vacation is important, when that project is important, when that, when that thing you want to get done at the house is important, when that thing you want to do with your parents is important, when the thing you want to do uh, with, with your extended family at Thanksgiving, that's important, when the thing going on at church is important. I mean, you, you, you name it. When everything is important and we try to cram it all in, what ends up happening is nothing is important. And here's the thing. When everything is important and nothing is important, here's what we miss out on. We miss out on the one thing. There's that one thing, that one thing that actually right now in this season of life, it needs our undivided attention. There's always, and no matter what season of life you're in, whether you're single, whether you're a teenager, whether you're in your 20s, whether you've just gotten married, whether you've just had a baby, whether you've had your second baby, whether you're in your 30s or 40s, or whether you're in the middle of your career or the end of your career or you're retired, there is always, always the one thing. And it's the one thing That you need to have your eyes on most. Because that one thing is going to impact a lot of things. 
It's that one thing that's going to determine a lot of things in the future. And here's just a list of some maybes. Maybe it's that habit you need to break. Maybe it's that project you have to finish. That relationship you need to restore. That debt that needs to be paid. That degree that needs to be finished. That commitment you need to keep. There's something. And you probably already have that something scratching your mind. There's that one thing that you need to pay attention to. That needs your focus. That needs to be priority. That needs to be the thing that you're most motivated by. And that you most protect. And I know what you're, you're thinking. Again, you probably already know what that one thing is. And you'll say this to me. You'll see, but, but things keep coming up. But things keep coming up. But here's the thing. Things are always going to keep coming up, guys. We're so connected. We're, 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 we're so ingrained. And there's all these easy ways to connect with other people and to be a part of so many things. And there's so many good things to be a part of. This is not a, this is not a question of what's good and what's bad in your life. This is the question of what is wise and what is unwise. And things will always keep coming up. It never stops. I remember in my 20s, I used to think, man, things are crazy. And now I hear 20-year-olds, I'm like, don't talk to me. Don't, don't talk to me about crazy. I would go back to college in a heartbeat right now. I, I wish I had six months to write a paper, okay? Uh, no. I have to write a 3,500-word paper every week now, okay? I mean, I, I, I wish I could go back there. And, you know, I'm telling you, early parents, I'm, I'm not, I'm not I, I love you all to death. But that one kid, oh, my gosh. Think if you were a seeger right now. I mean, you got four of those little monsters. I mean, I mean, good Lord, one kid, I mean, wait till there's two of them, and it goes from man-to-man defense to a zone situation. I mean, it... It never is going to get easier, ever. It's never going to get easier, ever. Things are always going to keep coming up. And the schedules are going to keep piling up. It's going to keep ramping up. And I know how you're going to live your life because I'm tempted by it all the time at 35. Is to just go, well, we can, we can, I think we can fit it in. I think we could fit it in. I think we can do that too. I think, I think, I think. And then you just, you get to the point of burnout. You get to the point where everything's so important that nothing is actually important. And, and, and then you're... You're trying to figure out how in the world you can slow down because you've committed to so much. Your plate is so stacked full that that you don't know what to do. You feel like you're about to crumble and you feel emotionally unstable. But you you also don't want to let anyone down, right? You know that feeling? You don't, want to, you don't want to upset anybody. You don't want anybody to be mad at you. So you just, you just kind of buckle at the knees and hold the plate, right? But here's the thing. We, we can't let what's urgent distract you from what's important. Because there's something that's important. There's that one thing. There's that, that one duck that we need to prioritize things. And we need to get our ducks in a row. And we need to create an order to things and go, all right, if this duck is ahead of the other duck, then I, 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 may, I need to pay attention to this. This one thing, this, this thing at the beginning of it, this thing that is at the head of the order, this is what I need to focus on most. And so that's what this series is about. This is what we're going to talk about for the next four weeks as we lead up to Thanksgiving and, and then to Christmas. And to, to begin this conversation, I, I want to look at Nehemiah. 
If you don't know anything about Nehemiah, this is a, a book of the Old Testament. And if you don't know anything about the history of Israel and, and Judea, uh, Israel was eventually split north and south. And then Judea was actually um, taken over uh, several different times. You had the Assyrians come in and the Syrians took it over and, and, and put everybody into slavery. And then the Babylonians came. And when you see the Babylonians come in, that's where you get Daniel and Meshach and Abednego and those kinds of stories. And we've talked about some of those things that happened there when the Babylonians came in. And, you know, especially when the Babylonians came in, they took um, Israelites as slaves. You know, they took all the young boys and, and took them back. To their Babylonian kingdom and basically made them slave and, and took people out of the land and really tore it up. And then the Persians came and then the Persians came and overthrew the Babylonians. So for 300 years, Judea just gets trampled on, okay? Jerusalem is just a mess. I mean, if you go back and you read the story, the walls of Jerusalem uh, were completely destroyed. The temple was torn down. The Babylonians did that. And I mean, so Judea is just left in shambles. And then comes along in the Persians, um, King uh, Artaxerxes, which, oh my gosh, last night, guys. <laughs> my wife's laughing because we're literally watching trash reality TV show. And I said, Hey, I've typed this out, but I haven't actually said this name yet. And I'm afraid I'm going to butcher it. So I paused the show we were watching and I just said, Artaxerxes, 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 Artaxerxes as many times as I could, because I thought I was going to mess it up. I did a good job though. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Artaxerxes. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, but this is in Persia and this happens in, in 444 BC. This is the time period that we're at. And so what ends up happening is that the Persians invade and now they're in charge and they're overseeing Judea and Jerusalem. And so all for 300 years, all of these generations and generations of, of Israelites had been taken away from their home had been made slaves, had been transported and put to work other places. And so the Persians said, hey, you guys can go home if you want. Like, you guys can go ahead and go home if you want. And so some people returned, other people didn't. Some people, they're like, well, this is all we've known, so we, we don't really want to go back home. But other generations, they, they wanted to go back to their homeland, and they wanted to go back to Jerusalem, and they wanted to go back to Judea. So they go back, and when they go back, they find that their, their, their home is just destroyed. I mean, the city of Jerusalem is just a mess. The, the, the walls that surrounded the city are completely torn down. There are no gates to the city, which is very, very dangerous. People are going in and out and grabbing things that they want, and there's no security at all. And it's just very, very overwhelming. And so they go back, and their temple's destroyed, and their gates are destroyed, their walls are destroyed, and it's just, it's just kind of a mess. And so they start to try to pick up the pieces. And for a hundred years, they try to pick up the pieces pieces and it's just not happening. So when we look at Nehemiah, this is kind of like looking at his journal. This is what Nehemiah tells us. So Nehemiah, Nehemiah says, um, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Nehemiah, who he's talking to is he's talking to his brother. See, Nehemiah was the cupbearer of Artaxerxes. So he was the cupbearer to the king. And so his brother went back and then came to visit. And Nehemiah said, hey, how's everything going at home? And he goes, it is just a mess. 
It's really bad. We didn't know how bad it was, Nehemiah, but things are burned down. The gates are destroyed. The walls are down. And it's just terrible. And this was really, really bad, too, because not only was it a thing of, oh, man, a security issue. Like, people are coming and going, and we don't know who's coming and going. But also, too, it was, it was, it was an embarrassment. I and mean, it, was, it was kind of a disgrace. I mean, it was kind of made Jerusalem laughable. Which, you know, these people took great honor in, in, in their land and in their, their, their Judea and Jerusalem. And so now th- these places are just destroyed. It's kind of like if somebody ever took, like, the, the, the door off of your bedroom door, you know? I mean, that's just, that's embarrassing. I mean, you don't feel like you have any privacy. Or imagine somebody took the front door off of your house. That would be embarrassing. It felt like people could just come in whenever they wanted to make you just kind of feel exposed and ashamed. That's how they felt. And so Nehemiah, this really troubled him. And so he says, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So Nehemiah, he's really, really bothered by this. And so, again, he's the cupbearer to the king. So he goes to King Artaxerxes and he says, Sir, I have received word that that my homeland is destroyed and I have served you so well. Could I just have a few days off? Could I just have a few days off and to go home and and to try to help my my family, my people, and and see what I can do? And Artaxerxes, he he goes, my goodness, you you have served me so well, Nehemiah. I tell you what, I'm going to make you the governor I'm going to make you the governor of Judea and I'm going to give you every resource that you need and I'm going to put you in a position of power and I'm not I'm going to let you go home and I'm going to let you lead these people. So he actually empowers Nehemiah, gives him the resources that he needs and sends him back in the position of governor and gives him a caravan of resources to go back and to to rebuild Jerusalem and, and, and Judea, which was phenomenal. And so he goes back and immediately the people who are taking advantage, the people who are living outside of Jerusalem uh, got word of this and they did not like this. One of those particular people, his name was Sam Ballot. And Sam Ballot, he, he did not like this at all because they had their own caravan of people who were coming and going through the city and through the gates, finding holes in the wall and, and kind of just taking advantage of everything. And so they get word of this and they're not happy. And and Nehemiah, what he does as soon as he gets back, the first thing he does in his leadership position is he decides we're going to rebuild this wall. We're going to build this wall and we're going to put gates up and we are going to make this place secure again. So what he does is he gathers all of the elders together and he assigns every single family a place on the wall. And he used where they lived in their communities. And he said, if you live in this community, the wall that is closest to you, that is the wall that you're going to give overwatch to. And you're going to be in charge of rebuilding that wall. So he gathers everybody together, tells them, you all have a spot on the wall. And Nehemiah, he's such a good leader. If you ever want to read a good Bible story on leadership, Nehemiah is the guy. Because Nehemiah doesn't just assign everybody a role. He assigns himself a role too. Because he's not going to ask anybody to do something that he's unwilling to do himself. That's what great leaders do. And so he decides, all right, everybody's going to take a place on the wall. I'm even going to take a place on the wall. You're going to protect it. You're going to give overwatch to it. And your family is going to rebuild that wall. So they all put their hands in the middle and go, all right, build that wall on three. One, two, three, build that wall. And so they all go out. And so Sam Ballot hears this and he and his caravan, they don't like this at all. Because it's going to shut down their operation, but also, too, a walled city is a military threat. And they don't want to see that happen. 
So they start to, they start to intimidate everybody on the wall and they figure out Nehemiah is the key to this whole thing. He is the head of the snake. If we can take out the leader, we could probably put a stop to this. So they go to Nehemiah and they give him an invitation. Now what we, what he doesn't realize though, is this invitation is not simply an invitation. This, they're going to try to kill him. They're going to get him away from the wall and then they're going to kill him and try to put an end to this. So they go to Nehemiah and Nehemiah is literally on his wall when they find him because that was his job. That's what he was doing. And, and this is what happens. When word came to Samballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, Though up to that time, I had not set the doors in the gates. Then it goes on and it says this. Samballot and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm him. So they invite him down. They come to the wall and they go, hey, Nehemiah. Hey, man, let's go get coffee. Let's go to Ono. You know, let's get a cold brew or something, man. Let's get some lunch. Come on, man. Come on down. Let's do this. And Nehemiah thinks about this. I mean, this is an invitation. This is just like the invitations you and I get all the time. And then Nehemiah, he says this. It says this next. He goes, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. Now, what we're about to read next is going to create kind of the framework for this series. And, and, and what Nehemiah says, his response to this invitation, this should be written somewhere on the walls of the church. Okay, this is what should be above grandma's piano. This should be at Hobby Lobby because what he says next is so good, so important, so practical. That is something that today I, I believe is a word that, that so, somebody in this room needs to hear. It's a word that I needed to hear this week. Nehemiah, his response to their invitation is this. I am carrying on a great work and I cannot go down. Let's say that together. Ready? One, two, three. I am carrying on a great work and cannot go down. He says, I cannot do that. I cannot leave my position. I cannot come from down from this wall that I am on. I, I cannot leave this. And in that moment, do you know what Nehemiah did? Nehemiah, he was choosing ultimate over immediate. He was choosing value most over want now. Essential over what's optional. He said, no, this is my one thing. This is my thing. This is the one thing. This is my, this is the head. If I, my ducks were in a row, this is the duck. This is the main duck. And this is something that I have to accomplish. So much depends on me getting this done. In this season of life, not forever, but for right now, I can't go get coffee with you. I can't go get lunch with you. I can't add another thing to my calendar. I can't go with you there. I can't be a part of that. I can't invest with that. I can't spend my money on that. I can't waste my time on that. It's not that it's a bad thing. It's not that I don't love you, but this is my thing. I cannot do it. Because why? I am carrying on a great work. I am carrying on a great work. And I cannot go down. Because he was focused on the one thing. And that one thing was that wall. Let me ask you something. What is your wall? What's your wall? Right now in this season of life. And it's probably different from the other people around you. It's probably different from their wall. Some of us, we probably don't have the same wall right now. 
But in this season of life, where you're at, what's your wall? What's your one thing? If your ducks were in a row, what's that duck? The thing is, is that so many of us, well, our response needs to be, is that I'm not coming down from that wall. I'm not coming down from it. I can't come down from it. And, and here's the thing. So, so many of us, so many of us, we, we get to this point in our life where we're, we're disappointed. Where we're upset that we didn't achieve something. That we didn't reach our deadline. We didn't reach our goal. We didn't want, do what we wanted to do in, in 2022. Or we just find ourselves kind of in a valley. And the truth is, is that a lot of times what happened is this. You came down from your wall. As a pastor, I'll talk to people. People will come up to me and say, man, pastor, I, man, it's just, uh, I, I just, I'm not where I want to be spiritually. I really feel like my faith, I just I have all these questions. I've really, really had a hard season. Last couple months have been really, really hard on me. And I've had a lot of questions. I've had a lot of doubts. I've had a lot of feelings, blah, 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 blah. And honestly, I, I'll never, never say this to your face because you couldn't handle it. But in, in the back of my head, I'm going... How long, how long has this been going on? About two months. Okay, I haven't seen you at church for the last two months. I haven't seen you at church the last two months. And now you're coming to me going, I'm really struggling with my faith. I don't know what's going on. I'm, in my head, I'm going, you came down from your wall. That's what happens when you come down from your wall. At my gym, at my gym, people will walk in. People be gone for two months at the gym. They'll come in. They'll go, oh, man, I feel awful. I'm upset. I feel fat. I'm bloated. I'm gassy. Uh, I feel I'm all out of breath. I sweat all the time. And I just, I don't feel fit anymore. I don't know what happened. I'll go, you haven't been here for two months. You came down from your wall. What do you think was going to happen when you came down from your wall? Couples, 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 again, will come to me. Couples will come to me and Kate and they'll say, man, we're just, we're having such a hard time. You know, uh, we're just fighting and we're not communicating well. And just the intimacy's not there. And, and I don't know what's going on. And I'll say, well, when's the last time you guys went on a date night? And they'll say, well, I don't know, it's been like two months. And then the girl will slap the guy. It's been six months, you know. <laughs> and they'll say, I just don't know what's going on in my marriage. I just don't know why my relationship's this way. It's really easy. You came down from your wall. If you would have stayed up on your wall, if you would have said no to all of those invitations, if you would have said no to all those distractions, if you would have said to all those no to extra side jobs and extra work and, and working late and new opportunities and, and time with these people and, and trips with these people and this and that, you came down from your wall, man. What did you think was going to happen when you came down from your wall? When you come down from your wall and you try to make everything important instead of keeping the one thing, the one thing. This is what happens. And Nehemiah, I love, I love, I love what he says next. He says, why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Why should the work stop? Why should the work stop and I leave it and go down to you? Let, let me translate this into 2022 language. This is what he's saying. He's saying this. Why would I lower myself for something of less importance? See, here's the thing. Some of you, you need to treat your time as valuable. You're valuable. In God's eyes, you are valuable. To your family, you are valuable. 
to your husband, to your wife. You are valuable to your kids. You are valuable to your church. You are valuable. And I know everybody kind of holds different value to you. And that looks different depending on where, what season you're at and where you're at with it. But here's the thing. You're valuable and, and your time is currency. Your attention, your energy is currency. And the thing is, is we try to give everybody a little share of ourselves. We try to give everybody a little bit of ourselves. But Nehemiah, he goes, no, I'm not going to lower myself to something less important. I'm valuable. What I'm doing is valuable. Me and the job that I'm doing right now, this is valuable. I'm not going to jump off this wall for anything. Anything of less value than this wall, than this one thing, than this duck, I ain't coming down for it. It's not going to happen. So what happens is he tells them no, and they're just like, okay. So they go back to Sanballat, and they're like, he said no. And Sanballat goes, well, go ask him again. So day after day after day, they come back. Day after day after day, they come back to that wall. Nehemiah's still working on that wall. He's trying to get those gates up. And they offer, offer him the same thing. It says this, Nehemiah goes, four times they sent me the same message. Four times they sent me the same message. And you know what that's like, don't you? Oh, Jesus, that scared me. <laughs> Thought the word was coming through the ceilings for a minute. This is Vicky watching YouTube. I'm sorry. Oh. This is the one thing right now, Vicky, okay? This is the one thing. Okay. Yeah, don't come down from your wall, all right? Stay, hold up. Y'all thought it was the teenagers. It's the oldest person in the room. Yep. I get it. Yep. I get it. It's all good. It's okay. It's okay. Don't, ooh, calm down. Four times, four times they sent me the same message. Four times. And you know what that's like, right? Because, I mean, somebody will ask you and you'll try to be nice. You'll say, well, not this week. Can't do it. I can't, I can't do it this week, right? I can't do it this week. And then they'll come back. What about this week? <laughs> Jeez, they can't get a hint, can they? Okay. Uh... Well, I don't know. We'll see. The kids are not feeling so well. And then they come back again. They come back again. Or they come back next season. Or they come again. Oh, no, seriously. No, come on. Seriously. I need you. I need you. I, need you. I mean, the invitations, they, they, keep, they keep coming and they don't stop. And here's the thing. Eventually, you relent, don't you? Eventually, you relent. Eventually, you Try to cram it in. Eventually you're like, oh, we'll, just, we'll try to make it happen. But here's the thing. There is always, there is always time to put the wrong thing on your calendar. There is always time to put the wrong thing on your calendar. And we try to do that to appease people. Because we don't want anybody to talk bad about us. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> it says this, Nehemiah, he says four times. Four times they sent me the same message. And each time I gave them the same response. Each time I gave them the same response. And do you know what they did? They criticized him for it. They, what they tried to do, their tactic after this was that they started rumors about Nehemiah that he was trying to become a king. 
that he was trying to raise up the, 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 the Israelites again and actually fight the Persians. And they were hoping that these rumors would get back to um, Artaxerxes and that he would say, hey, what are you doing over there? Maybe you need to come back here and be my cupbearer. I, I don't really trust you over there. They were trying everything. They were trying to critique him as much as they could. And you know what that's like, right? You've had other moms be critics of you because you haven't done what the other moms are doing. The dads, you had dads be critics of you because you weren't doing what the other dads were doing. Or all the kids were doing this at school. All the kids were participating. in it. That's what your kids said. But everybody's doing it, mom. Everybody's doing it, dad. And people critiqued you because your kid was the only one who wasn't doing what the other kids were doing. Because that's what everybody does. Or young people, teenagers, 20-year-olds. You know what that's like. You're trying to be up on your wall and you're trying to stay on your wall. And everybody at school, everybody at college, everybody at work, they're all doing this. And they're going, if you don't, if you're not a part of this, you're, you're going to miss out. You don't want to miss out, do you? If you don't try this, if you don't experience this, if you don't come with this, man, you're a loser. You're going to miss out. And we're trying so hard to stay up on that wall and do what we feel like we need to do. But people, they just keep pulling us and criticizing us. And sometimes they're just downright mean about it, aren't they? People are always trying to pull you off of that wall. But here's the thing we have to understand. If we put this in the context of Nehemiah, it was so important that he said no to this invitation. It's so important that he said no to this invitation. Because what he did know is if he got pulled off of that wall, what were they going to do to him? They're going to kill him. I mean, think if he said yes to that invitation. If he had said yes to that invitation, he would have got killed. And here's the thing we have to understand. There are certain things that if we say yes to them, they will kill your future. There are certain things that if you say yes to them, they will kill your future. And maybe not the first time. Maybe not the second time. But what happens if you say yes to certain things, you will wake up five years down the line, five years down the road, and then you end up in one of those situations where you go, I don't know how we got here. What happened? How did we end up here? But the thing is, is you, you came down from your wall and you said yes to so many things that it took you off of your wall. And then that's where the enemy struck. If you say yes to certain things, it's going to kill your marriage. Especially the men in the room. I will specifically talk to the men in the room. Guys, there are certain things that if you say yes to them, they will seem innocent. They will seem good. They will seem friendly. They will seem like a stress reliever. Whatever it may be. But if you are not careful, you will say yes to it once. And then you will continue to say yes to it. And it will kill your marriage. It will kill intimacy. In your marriage. If, if we're not careful. We will say yes to things. And it will kill our relationship with our kids. There are certain things. That if we say yes to them too many times. They will kill our financial opportunities. They will put us in debt. We love to spend money. But we don't think about where we, what we want to do with it. 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. And if we aren't careful, if we say yes to all these things, all these opportunities, oh, yes to that, oh, ooh, that would be fun, yes to this, yes to that. And then that day comes where our kid goes, I want to go to school and I need help. I'm sorry, we, we don't got it. Where did it go? 
check my Facebook photos. It's funny, but somebody go, mm, right? Because you know. Because you know. Because that's where it went. Or that day, let me tell you something. Families, you got a little girl in your family? You have a daughter? That day your daughter wants to get married. I want to get married. This is what I want. This is, this is my wedding we want. This is what we want. Can you help me afford it? Oh, no. Why not? I check my Facebook photos. Check my Facebook photos from like 10 years ago where I should have been saving. Or hey, here's going to be that day where you're going to want to retire. Where you're going to be old and they're going to say, look, we created a robot that could take your job. <laughs> We have a robot that can do your job now. You are, you're obsolete. Or there's these, like, these 20-year-olds who can do this job, and we need you to retire. I cannot afford to retire. Okay, well, we don't care. You're not ready to retire? You're like 65, 70. How can you not retire? Check my Facebook photos. Because <laughs> it killed your future. That's what killed your future. It was all fun and games, and it made for a great couple likes on Instagram and Facebook. But it killed your future. Because you didn't do what you needed to do. Because you said yes to too many things when what you should have done is stayed on your wall. It'll kill your future, guys. Same with your health. It's not one bad meal. It's saying yes to many. It kills your future of your health. I mean, there's so many things that if we're not careful, they'll, they'll kill our future. And especially when it comes to our relationship with God and our faith. When it comes to our relationship with God... There's so many things that can take us off of our wall. And if we say yes to them, they'll kill our faith. When really what our response needs to be is I am doing a great work. And I cannot come down. I am doing a great work. And I cannot come down. And the criticism will come. And criticism <coughs> criticism can be very, very distracting. I understand. It can be very, very, very distracting. But Nehemiah, he didn't listen to the distractions. He didn't listen to the criticism. He stayed on that wall. And then this is what it tells us next. Nehemiah says, so the wall was completed in 52 days. 52 days, the wall was completed. And then when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence. They just gave up. And then this is what it says. Because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. So let me ask you again. What is your wall? What's your wall? What is it right now? What's the one thing? There's one thing that needs your attention right now. One thing. That needs you to stay up on that wall. And you can't come down right now. Maybe you can later. Maybe this is. It's not no forever sometimes guys. Sometimes it's just no for right now. What is that wall. That you need to stay up on. Because it needs you. Right now. And the question you need to ask yourself is this. What are the distractions. What obstacles do you need to remove. Who do you need to remove? Because there's probably things that are clawing for your attention and they want more of you. They need more of you. And you have to learn to say, I'm sorry, but I cannot come down. 
I am doing a great work. So I gave you those, gave you these. <clears throat> I didn't know they squeaked when I bought them. Um, <laughs> and I think it was Adam who was at my house. I think Adam was at my house and he's, he went, and I said, shut up. <laughs> and he goes, this is going to be a problem. And I said, I don't think so. Yeah, I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Adam was right. Always listen to one of your best friends. That was God speaking to him. It was prophecy. No, it's going to be bad, Michael. Uh, so I won't have these next week. But um, <laughs> And before I preach this message in Wright City, I'm going to take every single one of these out. But he, here's why I gave you this, okay? I want you to keep this somewhere. Keep it by your bedside. Keep it by your phone. Keep it on your Bible. Put it in your bathroom. Wherever it is to be. Go to your work. Put it on your desk. Okay? And here's what I want this to remind you of. This is your one thing. You name what that one thing is. Teenagers, it could be to finish school. It could be in your integrity. It could be your virginity. It, it, it could be your character. Right now, you have one thing you need to do. Those of you who are in college right now, there's so many distractions, so many things that want to pull you off of that wall, so many things that could pull you from finishing that degree, finishing that internship, finishing that. Look, right now, there's one thing. Parents, married couples, adults, Grandparents, there's one thing, one thing right now, one thing. You need to stay up on your wall. It is a great work. It is a great work that you need to see finished. I want you to keep this in mind. And when those invitations come and this little guy is looking at you, I want you to remember, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you this morning. I thank you for the thing that you have blessed me with. The thing that I need to be a good steward of. The work that you have called me to. God, may I keep this one thing front and center. May this one thing be a priority in my life. Help me to keep my ducks in a row. Help me to keep my priorities straight. Help me to choose over the temporary, over the things that are lower than what's most important. Help me choose what's ultimate. Help me choose my future instead of what I can have now. Help me to keep my ducks in a row and guide me and use me, because I know you are doing a great work in me. And I know that right now, I cannot come down. God, I love you. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. Well, I am so glad that you were here today. And I hope that you invite somebody to come back next week for part two of our series called Ducks in a Row. Will you guys stand and say good morning to somebody? Squeak your ducks at somebody. And I hope you guys have a great week. <laughs>